Welcome back to another episode of Sharp Stats. It is time to sharpen our brain. We've got Katie, the queen of stats, with us. As always, we got Jake in his nice hat that I bought and then gave to him. Congrats, Jake, on wearing that nice hat I bought for you that one time. And myself, John Boy, coming to you to talk about the finer things in this great sport of baseball, the analytics. Running the game these days, everyone's got an analytics department, and so does Talking Yanks. How about how about that? I never realized that. I could say yeah. that. Yeah. Time for us to step into the big leagues. We got an analytics department. Yeah, that's going, Katie. I think we that might have to that that might have to find its way into your Twitter Twitter profile there. Head right, of the Talking Yanks. Resu- Twitter yeah. account resume, whatever it takes, man. Definitely <laughs> the the analytics department of one. Yeah. 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 I'd like to I'd like to be a half person on the analytics team. You can get a half of a share. He's not the intern. He's like you keep Jake around so the rest of the analytics department feels smarter. Oh, okay. You're like morale booster for the analytics. Like Cashman has one guy in the room with him that's like, why don't we trade back for Cano? And they're like, wow, that's so stupid. Anyone have a better idea? That's you. Your reality check. Reality okay. check analytics. Well, yeah. not where I was hoping to go. I was I was hoping <laughs> it was kind of like the cool owner who like he comes by and checks in on the analytics room and he's like, Well, Tanaka's got these good postseason ERA numbers, and they're like, Yeah, good catch. And then when I leave the room, they're like, All right, let's get back to business. What the hell was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, I, instead of bringing the Tanaka postseason, you just yeah, actually bring in like yeah. buttered rolls or like coffee. Okay. No, I'll take that too. <laughs> I I like mine, you know, with just a l- touch of milk and a, and right. a couple sweeteners. Okay. Yeah. Went went from owner GM to coffee boy real quick in this dream world, but it makes sense. It makes sense. But the the big thing here is that Talking Yanks has an analytics department, and every Wednesday they we bring it to you. Katie, how are you doing? We are sitting right at the edge of the deadline here. No moves yet to be made. So, like, what are how are your uh, anxiety or angst or how are you feeling towards all this? I'm, uh, you know, as we as we uh, record this on uh, on Tuesday, just before the game, I'm a little anxious. You know, I got to admit, uh, you know, I know I know Cashman's deal. He's so slick and he's all under the radar and, you know, he just pounces and then he, he comes out with these, these, you know, these sort of unexpected maybe deals that people weren't always anticipating. Um, but at this point in most years past, I feel like he's done something. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a recency bias because we did make a couple moves last year uh, far before the deadline. But, uh, and this year, as we all know, as you, as you guys do on, on your, tremendous talking baseball um podcast it's been a super slow deadline uh i mean this is historically or recent history i mean this is unprecedented basically for the amount of deals that have been done um before july 30th before july 31st um so yeah i'm uh, i'm sort of on the edge of my seat right now it's it's a, a little bit of a ner- little bit of nervous um stuff but uh you know I, you know, I, I have faith in cash. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, as I say long- this and, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. 
<laughs> I, I hope something happens. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I, I need something big to happen. I don't know what big can happen. That's the thing. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem like there's much big that can happen. It seems like a lot of these big guys are going to stay put. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty anxious. We'll probably be coming to you with a reaction episode soon because there will be some moves made. Well, yeah, there, K- there has K- to be. KT with early shots fired about the Jordan Lyles trade to Milwaukee, I guess. But okay. Um, <laughs> no, and it, no, it, it and baseball kind of needs this. Like getting out of Yankee land for a second. Baseball did the whole thing. They got rid of the waiver trade deadline. Like this is supposed to be a big thing, and I, I'm I'm really rooting for baseball the next 24 hours, along with the Yankees getting an impact piece. And Katie, I think interesting that you said anxiety there. I think something that was a huge part of the deadline last year, we knew we were going to get pieces, but the big thing Yankee land was worried about was Luis Severino turning it around. Like we knew we weren't going to get the ace. Like we were focused on, okay, we'll bring in some bodies, but Sevy's going to be our guy. Like let's fix him this year. <laughs> we, we don't know if Sevy's even involved and we're kind of looking for a guy. And if, if we don't get that person, then we have to talk ourselves into Sevy or, or maybe fixing James Paxson, who I think we're going to talk about. So, um, yeah, it, it, there there is more anxiety this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and in the the, uh, the recent, um, I would say, uh, bad stretch of uh, of of pitching of starting pitching mm. has not uh, made it any easier on Yankee fans or on Cashman. Yeah, I love to, I love to state the obvious, but yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> I wish we weren't in such dire straits about pitching, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit about that today and why we are searching for that guy. Part of the reason is that James Paxton was supposed to be that guy, one of those guys, along with Sebi. I mean, they were supposed to be our one too. Currently, our uh, like I don't know, bad and not existent. Katie, what's going on with James Paxton? I, I'm hesitant to even ask because if anyone listened to the last episode, uh, he gets me so fired up. I can't stand him right now. Pisses me off. Are you going to bring any good news, or is it all just like are we going are we going to pile on? I know I know yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about the first inning woes and everyone calling for an opener, and uh, I'm interested to hear what you have on that. So wherever you want to start, take it away. James Paxton, what is going on? All right. Well, uh, this probably, I mean, doing this analysis, doing all this research on Paxton, I'm about as fed up with him as you are. I mean, it, it burned me when I, was, when I was going through the numbers. And, um, yeah, like you said, right now I think I just want to focus on the first inning stuff. There's also the issues of what's going on since he returned from the IL, um, you know, possibly he's still hurt and kind of his first two months versus the last two months. But um, but I think really right now I just kind of want to focus on the first inning. It's a little bit easier. Um, uh, also a small sample. But, um, but yeah, it's there is – and I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of hope. There is sort of a little bit of good news at the end, but you're going to have to wait um, to get there. Uh, so Paxton first inning. It's a problem, and it's not just the last two months. He had a, I think it was a six-plus ERA in the in the first inning over the first two months, which is not as bad as it has been recently, but this has been a problem the entire season. Um, so I just kind of want get to get that out there for everyone. Uh, and, you know, first of all, as I like to do here, just kind of introduce everything, go through the stats and, and where, 
where he ranks in terms of his struggles. Um, everybody knows that starting pitchers, they do struggle a little bit more. They get hit a little bit harder in the first inning, obviously, because you're facing the top of the order. Um, and uh, so, you know, the numbers are slightly inflated, but the degree to which Paxton has struggled is obviously uh, just worlds worse than anyone else. Um, his 11 11.00 ERA is the highest in baseball right now. His 10 homers are tied for the most allowed. Um, that's with Steven Matz. And his, get this, he's got a 787 slugging percentage against, which is uh, tied for this, which is the second highest. Um, just in case you were wondering, uh, I believe Christian Yelich has like, a 707 slugging percentage this season. So I was going to say, I was, I was about to look up some, I was just about to look up some of Barry Bonds's old season. So when, when yeah. you yeah, Oh, that. actually I got, I got a good one here. So, uh, seven, eight, seven slugging. And, uh, the closest comp I could come for that one was actually, I, I had this written down. Um, so Babe Ruth in 1927, you remember, I think he, yeah, he <laughs> hit, ho- he hit 60 homers that season. He had a 772 slugging for the season. Okay. Yep. So, um, and then it was, uh, oh, it was a, a 4.56 woba allowed in the in the first inning, which is the third highest in baseball. Woba, as we know, is a sort of the catch-all offensive stat that we like to use um, in the uh, in the analytics world. And um, to, just for a point of reference on that, that four point that point four five six, Christian Yelich leads Major League Baseball with a point five three. So basically, he's turned everybody into. Christian Yelich and Babe Ruth combined. Yes, perfect. The all-around hitting of Christian Yelich and the power slugging of Babe Ruth in the Jesus. first game. Good thing, you it's know, we have this guy Ugh. here. Um, you know, his, and then, you know, obviously his ERA after the first inning is 3.14, which is a lot better. Um, it's about, it's like a top 20 mark for those innings. So... You know, there is definitely this line of demarcation. We know he struggled in, in other innings recently, so I'm not going to say that it's just limited to the first inning, but the first inning is obviously in a, a tremendous spike. Um, so now that we have that out of the way, all the bad stats, um, I kind of, so obviously what I did is I just kind of wanted to see what the differences were. Um, and the first thing that really jumped out to me was his peripherals, and I'm talking strikeouts and walks, are basically the same. He's got the same strikeout rate, the same walk rate. Um, so it really doesn't seem to be like a sort of a, a command issue. Um, obviously, the biggest thing is the home runs. And what I found is that he's giving up a lot more fly balls. So... In the first inning, he's got a 55% fly ball rate, so more than half of the balls in play are going to be fly balls. Then um, that's compared to about a third in the other innings. And this is the most astounding stat. Those fly balls are just becoming homers at an incredible rate. And as you guys might know, homer to fly ball ratio can be somewhat of a luck, a luck, a random statistic in that it eventually evens out over time. Um, so right now, in the first inning, 37% of his fly balls are becoming home runs. Uh, and then in the other innings, it's about 10.5%. Now that 37%, the league average is 
And that's what? about his career average. I mean, he is a fly ball pitcher, but so, so the, basically so the, three times the rate of the league, league average, average is 15% of a pitcher's fly balls will be home runs. And currently Paxton in the first inning is at 37. Yeah. So, I mean, sort of a silver lining is that, I mean, that, geez, I mean, that has to come down. But, I mean, we're talking small samples, so anything can happen in, you know, 20, 25 innings, which is what it is right now. Um, that, to me, was just astounding. Um, and we know he's a fly ball pitcher, and he's given up more fly balls. It's just that those fly ball, those, uh, those flies are just, every time someone hits him, it's basically a home run. I mean, he's getting no, no lazy fly balls at all. Um, and so one thing I kind of wanted to focus on was his, was his four seamer because he does, you know, he does lean on that a little bit more in the first inning. It's about 69% of his pitches, uh, versus 62%. And that's typical of all of his seasons in the first inning. Um, his fastball velocity is down slightly in the first inning again, about a half a mile per hour. But again, that's typical for him to be to start off a little bit lower and then really ramp up in the later innings um, in prior seasons. And he's never had a first inning ERA like even close to this before. Um, it's been more in like the fours. But it's always been bad, but it's never so, been this bad. Yeah, yeah. It's always been a tiny bit worse than, than league average, but no, it's, it's no, been nowhere close to ever this. I, I, whenever you're done giving uh, the stats, I, I have a question for you about Pax in his first innings and, and what you think the reasoning will be. So I don't know if you have a couple more numbers yeah. you want to throw away. Yeah, I got a couple things on the fastball that I wanted to put in there because um, I kind of just wanted to hone in on that because it is, you know, 70 percent of the pitches he's throwing in that in that um, in the first inning. And um, so one thing that I found was was pretty interesting. These are two things, actually, looking at sort of his mechanics, because that would be the first thing you'd think of is, gosh, there's got to be something just a little bit out of whack with him. Um, otherwise, I don't really know how you'd explain it. But um, it is sort of notable that his spin rate is about 70 um, RPMs lower on his fastball in the first inning than it is in other innings. So he's just not getting that, that high spin fastball that he can locate and get whiffs above the zone. Um, and what the other thing that was uh, was interesting is that his release points were a little bit off as well. He was releasing it a little bit higher and a little bit more towards first base. So I'm not I'm not a pitching gear. I'm not a pitching coach or anything. But those were the things that just sort of jumped out at me in terms of mechanics. So maybe there's other people out there, you know, that kind of know if that may be affecting his spin. It may be affecting his ability to locate the pitch um to push off on his I mean I don't know what's happening with the knee but um but his location is much worse um unsurprisingly with with those worse mechanics um he's just not getting he's not getting that high zone high in the zone fastball that he's that he's able to do in the other innings which get whiffs um so it's about 10 percent lower of him being able to locate the fastball in that area just at the top of the zone, maybe a little bit out, maybe a little bit a little bit low, which is pretty much that's the key area for him getting whiffs. Um, and so his fastball swing percentage overall is, is lower in the first inning. It's about 20% compared to about 28% 
in the other innings. Um, and then, I mean, people are just teeing up on his fastball. And these numbers, I mean, they, these are just video game numbers for his fastball. Um, there's been 50 at-bats that he's ended with his fastball in the first inning. And um, he has an opponents are have a 940 slugging, a 940 slugging, mm-hmm. a 380 batting average, and a 556 WOBA. Which you know, I there's, I mean, literally no comparisons to that. I mean, just just no. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's kind of my observations, um, both on his fastball and just kind of uh, you know what he's been doing in the first inning. And it's I don't know what you know I don't know how to fix it. I'm not a pitching coach, but uh, there's clearly something different going on. Yeah. So. I say this a lot and I get a lot of pushback from analytical people and the people that like analytics, but I mean, you are, you're the queen of analytics, my favorite, but you understand that, you know, it's not only analytics and that's where the people that I get, I get in tips with. I think Paxton's first inning woes are between the years. So is that, do you think that's like out of left field for me to say like, one yep. time he pitched poorly and then he pitched good the next game. And what Paxton's own words were, I wasn't throwing the ball downhill. I wasn't like throwing with emphasis. That was what he said he thought was the problem, which to me just means he wasn't geared up. He wasn't bringing it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you that it, it's, it's, I don't know how much of it is mental. If it's 90%, if it's 50%. But there has to be something going on because he's just he doesn't he's not like this in the other innings really you know and the it and it is a mechan it seems to be some sort of mechanical thing um, and I mean it's just it's 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 baffling and you know I think that he really I think he needs to I don't know if he's doing it but you know obviously I, actually I think that he's been looking at some video um, I know he's been trying to change his pre start routine in the in the bullpens um but uh but yeah something's going on and uh it's affecting his entire I think it's I think now more often now recently it's affecting the rest of his game I think that's why you're kind of seeing the struggles later in the innings because he knows he's trying to fix the first inning stuff and it's not working and then he just like you said he's 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 got a brain (laughs) he's not a dumb guy um, and I think he's thinking too much, and then that's affecting him in the later innings recently as well. And Katie, I, I actually really like that spin because how how could it not bother you being being a professional athlete? And for some reason, because his three starts b- before Minnesota or whenever it was were actually really good, but you're just getting touched up in the first inning. And yeah, there's definitely a carryover effect. I think all three of us agree that part of this is b- in between the ears. I, I think Katie was interesting that you brought up. And you say you're not a pitching coach, but you are analytics department, and I'm the pitching coach, so I'll go from there. Um, I I just don't know, and hey, may, maybe I'm joining the Larry haters, but the one word that you brought up the most there, Katie, was fastball. He throws it more, and it's less effective. I mean, should should there not be an idea that you go to the drawing board with? Hey, let's uh let's really work the off speed this first inning. Like it is that too basic? Am I not thinking enough? I know 
Katie, you're you're smart enough to to know that we don't have the actual answers. But is that not a ridiculous statement? Like, why aren't we getting away from that fastball and working towards it? Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I think, I mean that's really a confidence thing with Paxton. Is my is kind of my theory is that I mean it's got to be okay with him because he may not be comfortable throwing his curveball um, or his cutter more in the first inning. Um, I mean that that could be it, and maybe and maybe that's something that needs to change. Maybe he does need to get more comfortable um, going to the off speed, mixing it up a little bit more. Um, because batters, I think, clearly have a plan. They know in the first inning what's going to happen. Um, where you know they know that his fastball is going to be a little bit flat. They know it's gonna they know it's gonna hang there in the zone. It's not gonna. They're not. They don't have to worry about that. That you know that high fastball that rises um, and trying to chase that. So so yeah, I think. I mean, I'm open to all options at this point. <laughs> Dude, yeah. just just figure something out. Um, I hate. Hate to be the co- the coffee guy who yells something at the analytics team, but Katie, that, he's throwing the fastball more, and it's a worse fastball. I mean, there's the recipe. Yeah, um, and that's, call me old fashioned. No, I mean, and that's what a lot of pitchers are doing. You see that around baseball. You know, the 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 pitching coaches in the analytics department are telling these guys to throw their better pitches more often. Right? We've seen it with a bunch of different people. Um, so. So yeah, that's definitely I think something that that they could do. Uh, the one caveat I do want to make, and I I feel like I should mention this, is that you know looking at his Statcast expected stats, which are those are the ones that are based on exit velocity and launch angle. His expected stats are a lot higher in the first inning. Um, by I mean it, it's pretty significant. Uh, the slugging is about 300 points higher, so his expected slugging should be about 474, which is still not good. Um, and right. his expected woba should be about 331, which is you know not good, not great, but it's not awful. Um, so that's about a 130 percent point difference in the woba, um, and about 160 percent, 60 point difference in his batting average allowed, uh, 307 compared to an expected batting average of 234. Um, so there's that silver lining, but as well, he's getting hit a lot harder in the first inning. His hard hit rate is up by about five percentage points, and his average exit velocity is up by about five miles per hour. Um, so, yes, he hasn't quite earned the pounding that he's getting, maybe. Maybe he hasn't quite earned it yet, but, um, but the stats are real. You know, it it happened. You can't erase them. Um, and there have been other, you know, significant, you know, what I feel like are some meaningful changes um, to what he's doing in the first inning. If he gives up a first inning, first batter home run again, Katie, mm-hmm. I may punch my computer screen. Okay, I think I think we need to have like a pillow in front of your screen just for the first inning of Paxton. Yeah. Is what first batter the first inning. First, first batter pillow. Can we do that? Three leadoff Roll. home runs in a row in three games. Yeah. What's the record? That has four, to be the record. I think. It's four. Who did four? I want to go find I, someone who lived through I, that. <laughs> I know that it was it was tweeted out. Um, you know when he did his three one. I can't remember who was four, but I'm pretty sure that four is the record. I mean, he's gotta so, he's gotta walk the guy or yeah, hit him. Just walk him, dude. Just walk him. 
I like mean, if you need to find your fastball. Yeah. Just throw the off. Just throw the junk and see if he chases. And if he chases, it's good because maybe he'll miss. And if he doesn't chase, fine. He's only on first base and not um, having made a trip around the bases already. That's infuriating. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. He'll be facing the Red Sox. Oh yeah. Or is Friday? he tomorrow? Is Friday night. No, he's Friday night. I think. Perfect. Who's Wednesday? Who's after Hap? CC. I think it's Tanaka. Or Tanaka. Tanaka. Yeah, it's got to be Tanaka because Tanaka was game one. Yeah, get yeah, or 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 it's uh, Robbie Ray. Yeah, Jake. yeah, Tanaka was last Thursday. Luis Castillo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Max Scherzer, right? Max Scherzer? Oh, he's on the it's, IL. Whoops. It's it's ha- Hap tonight, Tanaka tomorrow. Everything for the Red Sox is listed as TBD. So I know we make our jokes, but there, there will be a wrench thrown in the equation. Yep. Please be a good wrench. All right. The next topic we have is another one that I'm a little tepid to get into. We talked. Jake and I had so many voicemails on the voicemail episode about this guy. So we get we talked about it a little bit. Some people were sending him to Hall of Fame. Some people were uh, taking him out of the closing role. What do we have on Chappie? Should should well, we be worried? We know, um, I like to start off with everything with relievers, as it's a small sample when we're comparing in season stuff, um, because it is a small sample. It's primarily it's been a been a problem in July. And that was pretty much it. I'm just going to pull up the numbers of before July. Um, I mean, he had a 1-3-6 ERA before July. Um, and he hadn't, you know, he'd given up a, hand, a handful of, uh, of hits maybe. Um, but, you know, nothing like his struggles in July. He, uh, he has a 8.22 ERA in the month of seven and two-thirds innings. Um, the biggest thing, obviously, is the strikeout-to-walk ratio. 11 strikeouts, 9 walks in those 7 and 2 thirds innings. Um, the 9 walks, I mean, that is just, that's awful. I mean, that's more than one an inning. It's He's walking about 25% of the guys he's facing, so every other, you know, one-fourth of the guys he's facing, he's walking. Um, and uh, they're not hitting him that hard. It's a you know, a, a 276 batting average, which is not good, obviously. A 400 slugging, not good. But, I mean, it's not like he's getting tattooed. He's only given up, I think, one homer. Um, but the four, he's got a four, he's given up a 425 on base percentage, which is basically unacceptable um, for a closer. Um, and the thing I want to kind of just kind of calm people down just bef- a little bit before I get into the analysis is that he's done this before. I think we all remember in August 2017 when he lost his closer job. It was a seven-game span there when he had a 10 ERA. He had mm-hmm. seven walks. I mean, he had seven strikeouts and six walks in about seven innings, so kind of the same time frame. Um, the thing was, he was getting hit hard. He, had, he gave up three homers in that month um, in, those, in those seven games. So he's done this before. You just don't want to see it. <laughs> You, you wish it that was the one time, but now we have a second time that he's struggling. And relatively, I mean, you're not going to say it's as late in the season as August, but it is after the All-Star break. So there are um, 
some maybe some durability concerns there. Um, so that's kind of maybe a little bit of a silver lining. Um, but overall, I mean, he's already allowed more runs this year than he did last year in, in 11 fewer innings. He's allowed 16 runs. Uh, he allowed 15 last year in 11 fewer innings. So it is starting to pile up. Um, and uh, and this July performance has sort of uh, been the exclamation point, I think, really the frustration point for people uh, because he was so good uh, before July. Um, so... Basically, my biggest concern, obviously, and I think most people's concern, is those walks. Um, mm -hmm. And not only is it it's infuriating because that's usually the way that it starts off the inning, and um, and that just it frustrates him. I think it frustrates fans, it frustrates Boone. Um, but moving into that, I, you know, obviously his his the other couple things that that jump out to me. Um, before I talk about the walks, is that his fastball velocity is down a little bit, um, about a mile per hour, so 98.7 to about 97.5. That's not good. His slider velocity is also down about a mile per hour. Um, I didn't see really any changes in his stuff, like movement or, or any of his release points. So that, to me, seems maybe, I don't know what that means, but... I don't think it's the velocity thing, and I'm going to kind of explain that in a little bit. Um, the biggest thing to me is just not being able to get ahead of the batters and, and just really bad location from the start. So his first pitch strike percentage during the month of July is 47.5%, so less than half of the at-bats he starts with a first pitch. It was That's about 64%. Yeah, it was about 64%. That's his typical rate, and that was what it was before. Um, so not getting ahead. And he's, batters, they know they're not able to – they just aren't swinging at his pitches. Um, his overall swing percentage is 29% in, this, in the month of July. It was 47.5% in – uh, before this in June, May, April, May, and June. Um, and then, you know, what I kind of want to say is he's basically, that's, he's getting the same number of swings basically in zone pitch on pitches when he actually throws it in the zone. So that hasn't been really the issue. It's, it's obviously getting the chases. His chase percentage is down about 10%. Um, and that's really where he, what he relies on, um, because he relies so much on that slider and, and those those fastballs at the top of the zone, um, batters being fooled by them and chasing them. And he just hasn't been able to do that. Uh, and this is kind of, it's it starts at the beginning in terms of the location. His first pitches, his zone percentage, 45% this in July compared to 58% before. And then when you look at three ball counts, this is this is the most astounding thing. 33% of his pitches in three ball counts are in the zone this this month. And before that it was over it was about 70%. So for some reason he is just struggling from the beginning but even more when he gets into that three ball count, he just has no idea what he's doing with the ball. Um that to me seems a little bit mental. Um because I couldn't find anything different, you know, in terms of like mechanics. Um the one thing I will say is that for some reason, 
He's throwing his slider more in those three ball counts. Um, it's about half his pitches in three ball counts now. Um, and it, before it was about 29%. And as we know, that slider is pretty difficult to command. And it uh, walks a very fine line because you don't want to put it right in the heart of the zone. You want to get it on the edges or in that sort of, you know, little bit outside of the edges. Um, and basically, he's just... I, for, that's the big mystery, is why is he throwing the throwing the slider in those three ball counts? Yeah. To me. Um, and overall, I mean, his slider command overall, not just in the three ball counts, is just really messed up right now. Um just some high-level numbers for his sliders. He's got a. He's uh, throwing forty-six percent of his sliders are balls overall for the month, not just three ball counts. Forty-six percent are balls, and that was twenty-nine percent um, in the first three months of the season. And basically, what he's doing is, I kind of wanted to really look at the location because, as we mentioned, he's missing down and away a lot. Um, and as I mentioned before, the ideal location for a slider is kind of in that. What what uh what they what they define in Statcast is like the shadow area, which is just a little bit inside the zone, but just a little and just a little bit outside the zone. So if you imagine a ring right around the zone, uh-huh. the shadows, um, he is throwing slightly fewer pitches there. So he's not really being able to. I mean, he's not quite getting the pinpoint accuracy there in that shadow zone. But the swing rate is the same. So he's still getting. P- guys to, to, to swing at those pitches, um, which, is a, which is good. It's that next ring, which StatCast defines as the chase zone. So it's just outside of this shadow zone, but it's not like a pitch that's like totally like wasted, you know, totally out of the zone. And so it's like a, a second ring. And this is where, this is the really interesting thing, I think, is that He's throwing a lot more pitches in that zone, in that chase zone. Uh, 30% of his, pitch, of, his, of his sliders are going there compared to 19% before. Um, so you'd think that maybe is you know, kind of good. He's trying to get people to swing there because that's you know, where they normally do swing. But he's just, for some reason, not able to get batters to swing there. So the swing percentage in that zone this month is 12%. And in the first three months, it was 36%. So that's really, really where he's missing. He's only gotten two of 17. 17 pitches have been in that zone. Only two times the batter has swung in that chase zone in this month of July. That, to me, is the problem with his slider. You know, that's sort of, if you really want to drill down to it, that is the mystery here. Why aren't batters swinging at that pitch, which they should be swinging at, Normally, you know, um, where he's locating it. It's not like he's throwing a ton of wasted sliders that are just like, you know, four feet above guys' heads or, or in the dirt, you know, or anything like that. It's, it's really that fine line that, you, that, he's, that he hasn't been able to, uh, to get those, those swings and misses. Where are you at with him, Jim? I, I'm not that worried about Chappie. Um... I never really have gotten that word. Even in 2017, when like I thought he should lose the closer role and Batances would get it, but when he came back, I was okay. He's back now, you know. So 
the the pitch selection is kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. And uh, you know, we had someone in our in our talking Yanks chat ask, like, hey, if Chapman comes into this game, the Red Sox game, what's your comfort level? And I was like, ah, oh, probably like seven, eight right now. But as soon as he throws the first two pitches, that either swings up to ten or down to two. <laughs> it's kind of like I gotta see what he looks like. And when he does walk that first batter, it's scary. Yeah, when when Chapman for me when Chapman goes through kind of a rough patch, which he's clearly in, I, I think it's funny. I, I don't know if there's a pitcher in the game that it just feels like it goes to a 3-2 count, and if he gets the guy out, I'm like, all right, 1-2-3 inning, and if he walks him, it's like, all right, well, the bases are going to be loaded with no outs, and we'll see if he can get out of it. And it's it's kind of bizarre, and it just seems like those 3-2 pitches, and maybe it's a lot of what Katie was talking about, are missing right now. And I, I'm not worried yet because I, I think it, if you're the best closer in the game and, you know, hey, Mariano, how are you? Stop comparing mm-hmm. the two. But, I mean, exactly. even Mariano would have a tough stretch pretty much every season. And if, if you're a closer, if you only have one tough stretch a season, you're an elite, elite closer. Um, even if you have two, that's that's semi-normal. So for Chapman, I mean, right now you obviously want to see him come out of it sooner than later. Um, the walk numbers are pretty concerning. And I, I think there's also maybe an underlying thing that we're ignoring with bo- the two guys we focused on. Uh, it could could be their knees. Uh, Paxton went on the IL with his knee injury. And hasn't Araldis the past two seasons kind of taken like a, a Sabathia-type, you know, I, IL stint to get their knee cleared up? So you wonder if Chapman's struggles were to continue a little bit further um, if something like that was to leak out, because that wouldn't surprise me at all at this point. He had like tendonitis that it was like, yeah, he last couldn't year. Hu- was it last year, it was last year. He couldn't In hurt May, it yeah. anymore, but it, it would hurt him, but it didn't. He's like, he either could play through it or sit out. There was no like fix though. I think, right. If I'm remembering correctly and he would just yeah, play through had- it a lot. Yeah, and then I think there came there was like a tipping point when they were like, just take a break. It was like in May, though, right? I think. I think so. I think they took him out of a game once for yeah, injury. Yeah, I, I Donahue came that, and yeah. took him out. Like, let's not even. Who cares? So we'll see. Uh, I'm not that worried about Chapman. Yeah, like, I'm. Like, I'm, I'm not, not worried wor- that. I'm not worried. If we, uh, if, when we get to the playoffs, uh, I it's kind of like Tanaka. Uh, I'm, I'm in. I think you'll be fine. I I mean I'm not I'm not worried yet as well um just because I know he's done this be, I know he's had this kind of stretch before I think that Chapman's a big momentum guy as well um you got to you, you sort of have to be that type if 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 you're a closer like you oh, have yeah, to they, thrive they live on, on, uh, yeah you got to oh, yeah. thrive on the pressure you got I mean they're they they they're wired differently I'm not even going to be able to you know to kind of explain or even think about how they're how closers are wired, um, and each one is different too. Um, so I am I'm not in the worry mode yet, but I am in the sort of let's monitor this mode, and you know hopefully he can get a few clean innings under his belt, um, and then just kind of ride it from there because that's what's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah, I I I got a good laugh doing the voicemails because. It seems like everyone online has a take that, you know, Paxton, Sonny Gray, 
you know, all these guys can't handle New York. Robbie Ray, Grinky, they can't handle the big city. Yet a lot of the same people want to go out and trade for your Kirby Yates to be our closer. And it's like, well, I'll tell you what, closing games in New York, a little different than closing it out for the Padres. That's, uh, that's again, coffee boy running in and yelling something at the analytics team. Um, Taking what, what shots. Do we got? I think I think we got. Is there a sharp stat of the day that's around Cash Daddy or something like that? Sharp, um, your sharpest stat. The yes, sharpest stat. A, uh, oh, thank you. I like that intro. Um, we do have a, a sharp stat, and it being the trade deadline, I thought that I would give some props to to Cash God um, because. Regardless of what he does during this deadline, and I don't know what he's done or what he's going to do or, or anything as we as we record this, but what he has already done to this roster this season um, in terms of the, the free agent signings, I think, deserves a lot of credit. Um, and I have two stats that I just want to that I want to bring um, that I think are pretty astounding. Um, so right now, you know, obviously one of our biggest one of the one of the best free agent signings that we had was DJ LeMahieu, and just how good was that? Right now, he is number one in war among all free agents that signed this offseason. So his is the top number among all free agents that signed. Um, And he was only projected to have the 10th best war. So he's blown past his projections, and right now he has the uh, highest war among all free agents that signed this offseason. And then the second guy that I want to highlight for Cashman is Cameron Mavid. Right now, if you look at him in terms of uh, those free agent leaderboards, he has the second highest WOBA, um, which, you know, we mentioned before. And that's, you know, kind of obviously putting a little bit more of a minimum on that. I think it's about a minimum of 100 plate appearances so far. But he has the second highest WOBA of any free agent that's signed. It's, it's higher than DJ, yes. Um, and he was actually projected to have the 45th highest WOBA out of about 100, uh, 100 or so uh, free agents um, that had projections for this entering this season. So kudos to Cash God, who signed the guy that now has the highest war among free agents and the second highest WOBA. Yeah. I, and I think it's... With- John and I have stumbled into this, and I, I guess if you're a Yankees fan who's paying attention, you've stumbled into this, but the Yankees have clearly figured something out. I mean, between uh, whether you want to focus on big guys like, you know, signing LeMayhew to a contract, or, I mean, the trickle down to Voight, uh, Mabin, Talkman, they, they've clearly figured out something hitting-wise, which is awesome and, and kind of incredible, and it's... Uh, I. I uh, not to spin us too far back to the deadline, but I I hope he can quell all the people that say he he doesn't want to make a big move for a pitcher because God that'd be nice. It'd be really, really nice. Um, he does have a bad tracker with starting pitchers. Like I, I'm not trying to those people like they're correct. Like he has not ever acquired, and there, there's some reasons like. I'm not going to really get on him for the Verlander thing back in 2017. That yeah. was, that was, uh, no one was doing that. Um, Cole trade was, was interesting to look back on that. Like if, if Clint was the piece and Andujar were the pieces, 
That, that was reported, right? It's Clinton Andujar. Yeah, I think so. Looking back on that now, you'd you'd probably you'd probably do that. <laughs> yeah, um, sorta. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know, but we'll see. Wait and see. Be patient. Uh, it, it, it it's not in the best interest of people trading to trade before they have to trade. So I never understand why people are so impatient, but we'll see. Anything else, Jake? I'm good, big daddy. Good. Katie, anything you got, you got a butter knife stat for us? Uh, no, that was, that was my butter knife stat. I don't know. Does, does uh, Jake have any, uh, Jakey stats, Jakey analytics? Jake gives the butter knife stats. No, I, uh, uh, I, full disclosure, uh, the second I clicked Barry, B- that I mentioned Barry Bonds, I had to click on his page. And now I've, in my ba- my baseball, my running baseball reference page, maybe I'll make this a segment on my Twitter. Um, I'll have what's on Jakey Baseball References page. And right now I'm looking at the fact that Antonio Alfonseca got an MVP vote in 2000 with a 4 2 ERA, a 1 5 whip. And 70 innings pitched with 47 strikeouts. It's a bad reliever season. He got an MVP vote. So I, find I'm out sorry. who voted for him and uh, write him an email. Yeah. All right. I will do that now. That's all you can do. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll be back probably sooner than we think with a reaction episode to whatever the deal and deals were made. Katie, thank you as always for joining us. Jake, you were pretty good. And uh, we will. Uh, you were oh. bad. Whoa. Jake doesn't suck. Didn't see that. Wow. What an ending. What an ending. And we're out. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.